0: Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com have a word for you today. I do believe it's going to encourage you. Uh, I was praying a lot this week, uh, like many pastors across the world, of just asking the Holy Spirit what it is he wanted me to share. And so this morning, as you tune in, as you watch, I'm going to talk for about 25 minutes right now. And as I do, I want to let you know that everything I share is connected to really uh, creating a space and a time for you to connect with the Holy Spirit. And so uh, I believe at the end of this, we're going to pray for those of you that might be sick today, those of you that might be scared today. Those of you that might be discouraged or, or maybe anxious or worried or fearful, I do believe in a God that can give you courage. And I want to talk a little bit about this. We've been in a series at our church, so usually what we do is we'll open up the scriptures, we read a few verses. Today we're going to read nine verses. We're going to begin in Acts chapter, uh, Acts chapter uh, 4, and then I'm going to turn to 2 Corinthians, if that's okay with you. <clears throat> if it's not okay, uh, I'm going to do it anyways. But uh, Acts chapter 4 is where we're going to turn, and again, uh, we're in an interesting time, an interesting window of history. Uh, I'm going to read these nine verses. I'm going to pray. I usually tell a story or uh, try to make it funny and, and enjoyable, and then I try to connect everything that I read to to uh, what I say in my message to bring it to a point that we can respond to God. If you're watching, you're a preacher today. I think every great message has explanation. It has application, and then it has... Uh, uh, it has explanation, it has application, and it has revelation. And so that's kind of my hope today is that we would cover those three, three areas. Are you with me today? Yeah. So today, if you've got your Bible, Acts chapter 4. And uh, interesting enough, we've been in a series called Knowing God. And this is our fourth message. If you missed the others, you can go back and watch them online. But last week, we talked about knowing God more fuller. And essentially, what we've tried to do is kind of demystify who the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, is. We've talked about that the Holy Spirit is maybe the third person as, as, as listed, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But he's actually equal in importance as the Father and the Son. we talked about how there's a widespread respect for the Father. There is a, 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 a loud, unanimous love for the Son, for those that are Christians. But kind of a, a little bit of a reservation when you start talking about who the Holy Spirit is. We've covered how there's a lot of churches that maybe get so enamored and they get so eccentric that it scares many people away from the subject or the person of the Holy Spirit. But here at Oceans Church, we always talk about if we're an Oceans Church, we got to have a shallow end and a deep end. And I was thinking about this. You know, you learn how to swim. My daughter is learning how to swim right now, a four-year-old. And it's really exciting when you see your kids start learning how to swim but I remember, I was reminded of this this week, that when my daughter was learning how to swim in her swim class, one of the things that the instructor tried to get across over and over again was, Chloe, you have to relax and learn how to flow. And I was just thinking about, man, when you start talking about the deeper things of God, it's, it's your normal, natural proclivity to get nervous and to start fighting or getting scared and maybe even retreating from opportunities that you can encounter Him deeper. So if you're watching today and I talk about the Holy Spirit a little bit and you're already like, ah, uh, we might need to find another online service to watch today, I want to encourage you just to relax. Something about relaxing to the Holy Spirit that sets you up for an encounter with Him. And so uh, this is interesting. I was reading this week, praying for, you, for the nation and for the world right now with what's going on. And obviously this has been one of the most unique things we've ever seen in our lifetime. Um, but I thought about this, you know, how courage... And how fear are both contagious. Uh, You know, faith comes by hearing, but so does fear. The same thing that actually causes us to believe at a higher level is the same thing that causes us to fear at a higher level. And that's been one of the things that many, many studies have been proving uh, is that the amount of publicity that the coronavirus has gotten compared to the swine flu and other diseases and infections in times past was It's gotten like a 100 times the coverage that other conditions and diseases have had, rightfully so. I'm not trying to get political in any way. But I do believe that the more you project uh, a voice, the more contagious that uh, idea or or that persuasion becomes. Faith comes by hearing and so does fear. So I want to talk to you today about knowing God confidently. Confidently. And I was praying, and God gave me this little phrase. You can write it down. This is my thesis this morning. If you want to know why we should pay attention or maybe why you should give yourself the next 25 minutes or so to watch this message. As I wrote this down, God told me, he said, Mark, in, an, in uncertain times, uh, uncertain times call for certain faith. In times of uncertainty, the church has to have a certain definitive faith. I believe that when, when the world is lost uh, and when things are... When things are lost and, and not maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe courage is lost, maybe toilet paper is out of stock, maybe confidence is, is rare, courage is rare, I want you to know today that I fundamentally believe that we serve a God that from the very beginning of time has given courage to people when they faced adversity. He's always done this. He's always been a God that's given confidence and courage in times of adversity. And so I want to talk to you today about about confidence, knowing God confidently. Acts chapter 4 is uh, right after Acts chapter 3, making sure you're still paying attention. And uh, Acts chapter 3 is a pretty well-known story. Uh, So you have Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit's poured out on 120 cowards that turn into basically fearless human beings. Acts chapter 3, two of them, Peter and John, I could preach on this and I'm time. They are basically buddies, which is good. When you have an anger problem that you cut people's ears off, find somebody that hugs everybody. So Peter and John are walking to a prayer meeting. They're they're going to pray at church, and there's a guy who's been lame his entire life. Actually, over 40 years, this guy has never walked. And so they find him. They say, "Look, we don't have any money. Uh, Look, stock my stock market portfolio is weak right now. But what I do have is I have I have access. I have I have authority, and and I have." I have power through the name of Jesus. So the early story, uh, early church, one of the early stories of the early church is in Acts chapter three about a beggar who gets healed by a gate called Beautiful. And uh, after this miraculous event, it says all the religious people of that day were so in opposition to Jesus, to the message of Jesus, to the hope of Jesus, that they wanted to continue to do business as usual, that when this notable undeniable miracle took place it actually says that they grabbed john and peter they actually brought him in they begin to threaten them they said you got to stop talking with that name you got to stop preaching with that name You're causing a ruckus. You're starting to turn the world upside down, and they threaten them. And I love verse thirteen. Acts four thirteen is one of my life scriptures. It says that they could tell these religious seminary degree, you know, you know, these very highly educated uh, Christian. These, excuse me, highly educated um, religious sector. They basically interrogated two guys, and they said in Acts four thirteen, we we can tell. That you're uneducated and that you're an idiot. But it's also undeniable that you've been with Jesus. I'm like, there is ever a, a truer scripture in the Bible about who I am. <laughs> uneducated, idiot, but I've been with Jesus. And it says, uh, it says that they, they said, you, stop using that name. Don't you do this miracle business anymore. And essentially what happens is, is they respond in Acts chapter 4, verse 20, which is the greatest 420 on the earth. That says this, but we cannot help but to speak the things that we have seen and the things that we have heard. Say with with confidence. They had confidence. And so what it says is, is they, they threatened them. They, they threatened them severely. They said, you, you talk in this name. We're going to stop it. And so essentially there's a, a high level threat. And again, God brought me this passage. I feel like we're in a time right now that we're threatened. We're threatened physically right now. There's a threat of sickness. There's a threat of getting sick, dying, disease, contagious. uh, You know, contagiousness throughout the world right now, and we're being threatened. And again, I'm not saying that we don't operate with wisdom, but I do believe that in times of feeling threatened, we have to reevaluate what the early church did. So we pick up reading. That was a very long introduction, but you're at home, so you're comfortable. Let's let's read this together. Acts chapter four, verse twenty-three, and then it says this: Being let go after they were threatened. Uh, they went to their own companions. They went back to the church and reported all the things that the chief priest and the religious elders had said to them that threatened them. So when they heard that, they raised their voices to God with one accord, and they said, Lord, you are God. You made heaven and earth. You made the sea. Come on, you made the oceans and all that is in them. Who by the mouth of your servant David said, Why do the nations rage? Why do the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand. The rulers have gathered together against the Lord and against the Christ. So watch. It says, For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, uh, with the Gentiles, with the people of Israel, were gathered together as uh, to do whatever your hand has purposed, uh, purpose determined beforehand to be done. Watch this. It says now, now, Lord, look on their threats. Say it with me, threats. threats. I want to say all that to say this. The early church said in times of adversity, look at the threats that are going on right now on CNN, Fox News. CNN. Look at the threats right now that are facing the world. Watch what it says. Look at the threats and grant that right now in this hour, your servants, that with all boldness, confidence, they begin to speak, that we may begin to speak your words. What else, what else would you do? Not only would we declare a message of hope that's powerful in word, but do this. Stretch out your hand to heal. That signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And I love this. This is crazy. Verse 31 will land the plane here. And it says, when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. 9.2 earthquake. Maybe not, but it was shaken. And they were all, watch what it says, it was shaken and they were filled. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. What happened when they were filled this time? Watch what it says. It says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak the word of God with boldness. I believe that when we look to God in times of adversities and we pray, that he'd actually fill us up with his presence, his spirit, and he would give us boldness in times that are shaky. Let's pray this morning. God, I just thank you. Uh, I know this is a, an unorthodox atmosphere for us, and so we've never done this before. We're charting new territory. We're pioneering right now that we stand in the middle of a historic window of time. And we ask you, Lord, today as we maybe embark on a, a, new, a new methodology and even a new, uh, a, new, a new paradigm for our community that, God, you would leverage even now as we're watching, God, in our air condition, maybe lazy boy, maybe we're in our pajamas still. I, I pray, God, that you would come right now. I pray that you'd add courage, that you'd add confidence, and that, God, we would even leave the next few 20 minutes or so, God, full of more of your Holy Spirit, more of your boldness. We pray blessing, God, over today, over this message. We pray, God, that you would, God, again, God, just amputate the head of this coronavirus. And we ask God that Lord, you would regain God control of the earth. God, even through just that, like the 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 health and the normal flow of of business as usual, we pray that the NBA would regain that the Lakers would win the championship. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, come on, say Amen. 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 I like to start with some sort of story, and uh, I was thinking about this. Uh, My wife and I I don't know about you, but we've been married for uh, be 15 years this year. 15 years we've been married. I like to tell people, they say, Mark, how's your marriage? I say, it's great. We got a great marriage because we have two TVs. I believe that's the secret to a great marriage is uh, you have opportunities. Uh, I don't argue with my wife. I usually just tell her why she's wrong. And um, praise the Lord. Doesn't always go over very well. We're usually on the same page pretty much about everything in life. We're on the same page. Uh, Usually the only time we would maybe find maybe differences or difference of opinions would be when we are actually uh, in route to somewhere that we've never been before, uh, i.e., in the car. Yeah. Now I'm a man, so I don't really believe in using anything map-oriented. <laughs> I believe that as a male, uh, male human being, that I have a internal GPS <laughs> that doesn't fail. And my wife is uh, usually a lot, oftentimes writer—that's <laughs> a word. <laughs> She's way writer than I am. <laughs> She's righteous and. Uh, Usually in the car, she'll be like, Mark, no, we're supposed to be going this way. you got to turn on that street. And it's just funny. Usually, I'll be honest, when we're in the car and she's directing my my life and telling me how to live my life, <laughs> uh, which I happily obliged to, She uh, usually she's right. She really is. And I remember uh, one, one of the only times I really felt like I had an advantage on my wife, because I'm not usually directionally as savvy as she is, is the very first time I took her to my hometown. I'm from... I'm from Palmdale in Lancaster, California, which if you don't know where that's at, Palmdale is the home of Afro Man, <laughs> because I love the Lord, and uh, and Paul George, great basketball player, PG-13, and so uh, we're the only three people that ever made it out of the Antelope Valley alive, <laughs> but we, uh, we actually, uh, we were in my hometown, the very first time I took Rochelle there, we were married for probably four years, and we drove to California, and I'll never forget driving through my hometown and like, Every intersection had a story attached to it. You've been there before? You ever taken a loved one somewhere that you grew up? And you're like, man, I had my fur. I got like, I got arrested the first, I mean, I, like, we, we threw water balloons at cars behind that bush right there. And, you know, we just did crazy things as a kid. And I took her to my hometown. I remember we started arguing over directions. And it was interesting because the only thing that I knew for certain the only advantage that I had was is that in my hometown, I knew those streets because, because I was so familiar with living there for so long. And I get lost in new cities. I've been in Orange County now for a year and a half, and I've been lost uh, about, about a year and a half in um, <laughs> this region. But I was thinking about, you know, it's hard to get lost somewhere that you already have been and that you're familiar with. And I was thinking through, you know, oftentimes in life, there's so many things that we don't know. And I remember talking to Rochelle in Palm Delaney. I'm like, Rochelle, I'm telling you, in and out is on the other side of that Walmart. I know it because I've been there. I know these streets. I, I walked here. I, I didn't just drive these streets. I rode them on my bicycle. And before I rode them on my bicycle, I walked them on my feet. And, and I have confidence in knowing where things are at because I've been there before. Yeah. And I believe this, you know, in life, there's so many times in life that we don't know where things are going. We don't know what's coming up, up around the next bend or the next road. It's kind of like being in a new city. When you're in a new city, you have no idea, is Ikea around this corner? Is it Walmart? Is it 7-Eleven? Or am I getting ready to drive 700 miles with no gas stations? I, I have no idea what's coming because I've never been there before. And I thought about in in times of uncertainty, when you don't know what's coming ahead, one of the things you have to do is you have to let what you do know shape what you don't know. And I was thinking about this. What do you do in uncertain times in life? And the Bible tells us very clear that we know a lot about God. We have 1189 chapters about who God is. And we, we have a lot of Bible scriptures. We have a lot of understanding and from Genesis to revelations of who God is and who Jesus is and who the Father is and who the Holy Spirit is. We know a lot about God, but it actually says in John 21, I think it's verse 25, John the Beloved writes, he goes, Hey, if everything that Jesus did was written down, we wouldn't have enough books in the National Congress Library to contain the literature of the things that Jesus did. Let me paraphrase. John says there's way more things that we didn't write than we did write. There's way more things that we, we, we didn't say about God than we did say. We can say it this way. We live in a world that there's far more things that we don't know than we do know. In the universe, they say there's, they call it dark matter, right? It's like dark, like there's dark space. And there's pockets of the universe that we can't even see. And they say that what we don't see far exceeds what we can see. And I was thinking about this idea, what do you do when you're when you're faced with uncertainty, with stress, with fear, anxiety, things are pressing on you, we don't know what will happen. And God brought me to this simple thought, in uncertain times, you have to let what you do know shape the opinion of what you don't know. I don't have the cure to cancer, I don't know all the things that are all the idiosyncrasies of life, and... I can't tell I'm not a mathematician. I've, I, I, look, I, I didn't do Algebra 3, but I did Algebra 1 three times. Come on. I, I don't know all the answers to all the different things of life, but what I have to do is I have to let what I do know shape my attitude about the things that I don't know. People focus on what they don't know, and it drives them crazy. I want to call the church to attention to just going, hey, in times of uncertainty, we have to focus on what we do know about God. What do you do know? I do know this, that the early church, when they were faced with adversity, they began to pray. That they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And as the Holy Spirit came upon them, there was a boldness and a confidence. What do you mean a boldness and a confidence? Confidence, listen to me, write this down. I believe fundamentally confidence is reproduced. It's manufactured in the presence of God. Confidence, courage, it's manufactured in the presence of God. How in the world could 120 uneducated, ordinary human beings go throughout literally from one corner of Palestine all the way before Caesar in Rome? How could you travel in 30 years from a corner in Palestine before Caesar in Rome and turn the world upside down? You don't do it through human intellect. You do it through a God confidence. God empowered. He gave me thoughts and creativity and... He gave me a courage that I didn't have ordinarily. You know why I have courage in Palmdale? I had courage there because i have been there before. I've seen what's on that corner. I know what's on that street. I've walked by that alley. I know what neighborhoods to avoid. I have confidence in my hometown because I'm familiar with it. I want to turn your attention to 2 Corinthians. If you want to turn there with me real fast. We'll go to 2 Corinthians, and uh, uh, I'll give you the exact address here. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. It's uh, actually, you know, the Corinthian, the church at Corinth was, uh, Corinth was one of the gnarliest churches of the known world. It probably makes, you know, Amsterdam, Los Angeles look like a very holy city. Uh, this was a, this was a, a rampant, there was, there was gnarly stuff going on, and there was one of the darkest climates, it was one of the wealthiest, and one of the most morally bankrupt nation or cities in the known world. And it kind of reminds me of, again, like America in many ways today, that we had very we have a lot of affluence, but we have zero morality. And it's interesting that Paul, at the very end of his second, which is actually his third letter, because the first letter was a response to the first, anyways, third letter, it's actually 2 Corinthians, but it says in 2 Corinthians chapter, um, chapter 13, verse 14. I'll read it to you uh, when I get there. It says this: It says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, stay with me, grace, grace, and the love of God. Watch the, the it says I'll read it again. The grace of the Lord, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Be with you all. Amen. Now I was thinking about where does courage come from? It comes from communing with the Holy Spirit. I believe that what grace does is grace enables you, watch what it says here. There's three things. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. What is the grace of Lord Jesus Christ that he would go to a cross for us? What is, what is the love of God that he would send his only son to take care of our inadequacies? But watch, those are both things are in the past. The only aspect out of those three things when it pertains to grace that is actually ongoing is he says, I want you not only to look back at the grace of Jesus and the love of God the Father, but I also want you to be aware of communing with the Holy Spirit. This is wild. The word communing is a powerful word. It's, a, it's actually a word that means presence. He says, I want you to commune. Where do you get confidence from? I believe you get confidence by spending time. You create an atmosphere. God told me years ago, you write this down. If I would provide a place that God would provide his presence. Oftentimes we have the absence of God's presence, which is a lack of deficiency of courage. And you have an absence of courage and confidence because you've made no space no place for his presence to encounter you. Many of you are watching right now. You're like, Mike, Mark, how do I commune with the Holy Spirit? I'm going to lead you in it in just, just like 10 minutes here. Is that we have to, number one, we would make a choice to say, I'm going to commune with the Holy Spirit, which, which means presence. It not only means to actually encounter presence. It means to actually connect on a fellowship level. It's a Greek word fellowship. It's koinonia. It means It means to love someone and spend time with them like family. And not only does it mean... Fellowship means sharing together. It literally means when you commune with, with God, when you commune with the Holy Spirit, it's like having a conversation with him that you're actually going, hey, hey, this is what I was thinking about. What are you thinking about? This is what's on my heart right now. What's on your heart right now? You're communing with the Holy Spirit. And not only does it mean that, it means, it means participation with. That you're actually actively going, hey, God, what do you want me to be a part of doing that you're saying to me right now? Communing is participation. It's intimacy. It's being intimate with somebody, and it's friendship. And the last thing it is, is the word, again, this is the original Greek word for communing. Communing literally means uh, comradeship, which comes from the idea or our notion of God being a captain, yeah. him being the boss. Yeah. I heard Dr. Young Cho. I never heard of anyone talk about the Holy Spirit like Dr. Young Cho. And when he began to talk about the third person of the Godhead, he said, when I pray, he had this awesome Korean accent, which I wish I could do. He said, but when I, commun- when I pray, I talk to the Holy Spirit. And he says this. He says, Holy Spirit, you are the senior partner. I am the junior partner. You're the president. Come on, I'm just your assistant. So whatever you want to do, there's communing that takes place with the Holy Spirit. I was thinking through, you know, when you start doing these things, you start acquiring courage. And as you acquire courage from his presence, it says, what does it say in Acts 4? It says that the place was filled with God, and they were, all filled with, they were all filled with boldness to stand strong against the adversity. Yes. So I want to talk to you real quick, if I could, about how do we acquire courage from the presence of God? How do you acquire? How do you connect with his courage? How do you connect with confidence from the presence of God? And I have seven, I have seven points for you today. Is that all right? Yes. Seven points for you to write down as you're taking notes. If you're not taking notes, go and write this down. I do believe that we 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 actually we acquire courage. We'll put up on the screens. That's all right. Um, What 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 helps us to get more confidence from the presence of God? I think the first thing that deepens us is providing a space and a place that we can get alone with God. You know, last night I was I finished studying or was close to finished, and uh, I was honestly I didn't feel like I was done. It was probably I don't know 12:30 or something was late, and I felt like the Holy Spirit said, "Mark, I want you to go for a jog," and I'm like, "That's the devil." Um, but I, you know, I, I really felt like it, I, could, I could sense strong. I was like, God was like, no, I need you. You've been reading for like 12 hours. You need to like go change gears. So I started jogging in my neighborhood. and You jog through your neighborhood at 1230 at night, one in the morning. It's, it's peaceful. And I'm jogging, and about half of my jog, I, was, I felt good. I mean, honestly, Paul, you'd be proud. I was feeling good. I was, I was running up some hills. I looked at my heart rate on my iPhone. I'm like 107. I'm not even breaking a sweat. And I was really proud of myself, but I I felt good, but I I felt like the Holy Spirit said, Mark, I want you to walk. And so I, in the middle of my jog, about a mile and a half into this jog, I just started walking. And I started talking to the Holy Spirit. And I really believe this, that um, the way that we access communing with the Holy Spirit, which again, I want, here's my thesis, that when you commune with the Holy Spirit, confidence will always fill you. And if you're lacking confidence, it's because you're lacking communing. Communion comes by spending time with his presence, with getting in front of God's face. And again, whether you're a businessman or woman, if you're I don't know what your where your background is, I want to tell you that we're going to be a church that shows people how to how to swim in his presence by by going, hey, this is practically how you get filled with the Holy Spirit, get boldness inside of you so that you can go into your, your week this week with confidence. So how do you do it? You provide a place. And when the place is set. Again, I was my place last night was the middle of my neighborhood. I'm walking these hills, I'm walking through, and I'm just talking to the Holy Spirit. And here's what I want to share with you. I, think, I believe the first way that we actually begin to encounter him, commune with him, is by declaring. Yeah. You know, the Bible says that we enter into his presence with thanksgiving. Well, what does that mean? I want to go even back a little further. I think reminding God who he is is the fastest way to remind us who we're supposed to be. So I think one of the coolest things you can do, first thing, I want you to write this down. We commune with God by declaring who he is. I just started bragging about how awesome he was. I was walking I'm like, God, you are good at what you do. Like, you made all of this. Like, you gave us electricity, and God, you've given us community. We live next to each other. We have sewage lines and fresh water, and we have, we have these beautiful mountains that you've made green. Like, you've created this land. You this, you're a really good landscaper. And I started talking, I'm like, man, you're just, and I, I don't know if you've ever been there before, but as you begin to declare who God is, like, God, you, you didn't have to make any of this. You didn't have to make me, you didn't have to make humans, you didn't have to make life. Thank you that it was in your heart to make us. This is wild. It's, you know, it's, I, I really believe in this era when we don't have sports and we had, don't even have entertainment and they're going to ban movies and movie theaters it's almost like God is stripping us of the things that we've filled our hearts with and it's like we can't worship our king which is entertainment right now and we can't honor our prince which is sports right now and it's like the only thing that we might have left on this blank canvas is the thing that mattered all along and I just started telling him God thank you that uh thank you that man this whole life it's about you it's not about being entertained it's Not about being stimulated or looking forward to the weekend or the new release in the box office. This whole narrative of life, it's about you. And I just started reminding that you are the central character to purpose. You're the central character of creation. You've heard it said history is his story. It's his narrative that God is the, and listen, some of you are watching like, Mark, why am I so, like, why am I so empty? Why am I so bored? It's because you can make dollars, you can, you can have means, but you can lack meaning because means can never give you meaning. They only express meaning. So many people, they get their dream job or their dream spouse or their dream house, and, and they literally get inside of it, and they get in that marriage or relationship or that, that office or that boardroom, and they're going, what in the world am I still missing? if you're watching this today, I'm telling you that you're missing communion. Wow. When you begin to commune with the Holy Spirit, you remind him of who he is. Yeah, How do you start a communion with the Holy Spirit? I want to tell you, it's, it, what I do is I start declaring who God is. Yeah. That's what I did. One o'clock in the morning, I start saying, God, this is, man, you're really good. Like, this is, this is all about you. Yeah, and I had this moment, I'm like, that's maybe why we're shut down right now is to remind the world that you're all that we need. Yes. You're all that we need. So I declared who he was. And then, and then after I, I did that, I, you know, I think it's good that we actually bring petitions. We, second thing, I think it's good when you actually start communing with the Holy Spirit. I think it's good to actually have a time that you bring requests to him. Number two is request. I, I think when you're actually communing with the Holy Spirit, he actually wants to know what's on your heart. And I'll be honest. If you don't share what's on your heart, oftentimes you miss out on the beauty of that time. Because you're more focused on the back of your head of what you have to do next than you are in encountering just who he is. And so, what I'll do is, I'm stressed out about something, or I'm thinking about what I have to do this week. I just say, you know, Holy Spirit, I got to write this down, or I got to study for this, or I got to have this important meeting, or I got to make a phone call, or I have to take a trip, or I got to cancel a trip. Um, I, I begin to actually bring my request to Him. As I was doing this last night, He said, "Mark, He said, I want you to remind my people I have no problem with request, but as I was praying for all of you that are watching, He wanted me to tell you that that He's a God that wants to He wants to know you beyond just your request." So many people settle their entire lives that prayer is defined as, God, you're good. This is what I need. And I want to remind you, man, if your kids only came to your house to take all of the food that is in your cupboards, to take them all, the, all the young people know what I'm talking about, to actually go toilet paper shopping at mom and dad's house. To actually, you know, only come in, it's just like, I'm, I'm taking food, I'm taking resources. Hey, mom and dad, I need some money. And all they did is they came into your house with this, and they left your presence without caring about anything inside of you. I want to, I want you to, I want to make two, two observations about this. Number one, good parents will still do it. Because that's how much they love their kids. They'll still freely give, even if you give nothing in return. You're watching right now. I want you to know God is so good that if all you've ever done in prayer is ask and ask and ask, He'll still love and love and love. That's just who he is. But I want you to know that you're not just you're not shortchanging just God. You're you're shortchanging yourself. Because you don't realize there is a God in heaven, There's the Holy Spirit, He does more than just answer your petitions. He's actually a God that wants to, He wants to take you further than that. So many people get in the water, they're like, oh my gosh, the first step, it's amazing! But you don't realize that, man, water feels even better when you get past your waist. And you get it on your shoulders. You're like, oh, my gosh. It's cool to stand in water, but it's even funner to dive into it. And I really want to just encourage you that we commune. We get confidence by communing, by starting off by declaring who he is. Secondly, we begin to bring our requests to God. And I think many people have never experienced the joy of adoring who God is. If you're taking us, I want you to write this down today. We will commune. Where does confidence come from? It comes from communing. And communing is when you begin to declare. It's when you begin to request. And you go from requesting to adoration. Adoration is when you just kind of start thinking about how good God has been. It's funny that many times we don't realize how good God has been until that good thing's not happening right now. There's literally, there's there's billions of people on the earth right now they are like, why was I complaining last week? When I could buy toilet paper. When I could like go to work without like someone coughing on me. Why was I stressed out three weeks ago before the stock market? Why was I complaining when everything was normal? Have you ever been so sick before that you're like, man, if I get healthy, I will never complain again. If I'm not sitting at the throne throwing up, if I just get healthy, I will never be negative again. You ever been so sick before that you're like, man, it's like my brother's a a cancer survivor and literally it's like when he was going through chemotherapy and he lost all this weight and was getting radiation, it's like he just wanted to get normal. He's like, Mark, I just want my kids to like recognize me again. He had three little girls. His youngest little girl was almost scared of him. She was three years old because daddy didn't look like he normally looked. You know what's wild when you're really sick and you're really scared? The idea of normality is more enticing than almost anything. And some of you, you don't realize that, man, we have so much to be grateful for. And you didn't even realize what you had to be grateful for until the world starts shutting down. What do we do when we begin to adore the Holy Spirit? Thank you that, man, when life is normal even, that I can watch a sporting event on Thursday night on TNT and watch Ernie Johnson and correct Charles Barkley's grammar 67 times. Thank you, Lord. You know, thank you that... That I, I actually get to walk to the park and, not, and I'm not worried about my kids catching some bacteria that's on this. Thank you that, man, when things are, like, come on, we have so many things. When life is just normal. But how about right now? Thank you, Lord, that you're in my living room right now. Thank you that I have food in that pantry. God, I adore you. There is, you've been so kind to me. So kind. I'm not living on the streets right now. I'm telling you that adoration comes when you begin to think about what God has done. Start adoring who he is. And when we go past adoring, that's when you really start to commune. And when you're in that communing place, it's like it's almost so sweet that you almost lose track of time. You ever had a sleepover? I'm almost, I'm almost finished. Maybe stick up on the keys. I'm almost finished. You ever had you ever a sleepover? If you're a guy, it's called a sleepover. If you're a girl, you call it a slumber party. It's one of the major differences between men and women. But I had sleepovers growing up, and... I remember we used, to, we used to sleep over at my friend's house, and we would sleep on the trampoline in the backyard. And I, my best friend, John, we would talk all night. We'd be in our sleeping bags, on the trampoline, looking at the stars, uh, or what we thought was the stars from the city. <laughs> we looked at the clouds, let's be honest. And on every, we, we would just talk for hours. It was just like we enjoyed each other's companies. We would talk about pickles. <laughs> I remember talking about different types of pickles that we liked. And I thought, man, when you're with a friend, it's so easy to lose track of time because you're just enjoying the camaraderie of that moment. And I feel like so many people, you don't realize that the Holy Spirit is a person, that you can grieve him, you can resist him, you can vex him, the Bible says in Isaiah. The Holy Spirit can be He can be quenched, but he's a person that actually he can be loved. He can be appreciated. He can be enjoyed. He can be encountered. And last night as I was, again, this, this, I, try, I try to do this every week, every day. I, I try to commune with the Holy Spirit. When you, when you adore him and you commune with him, uh, it actually a lot of times will, will, will shift gears. You'll lose track of time when you're communing and adoring him. And then all of a sudden, you'll start wanting to actually even intercede for people. It's weird how when you really commune with God, you go from being just focused on yourself. I want to, again, I want to help somebody. Some of you you watching, you're like, Mark, I know what it means to commune with God, but oftentimes my time ends just with me and God, and you actually never take the hose that He's watering you with and take it off of you and actually start pointing it at other people. I believe that when you really have a time of communing where confidence comes inside of you, God will overflow so much inside of you with His presence that you'll begin to get courage for other people. Listen, at Ocean's Church, we're not content with just being full ourselves. We want to be so full that the confidence and the grace and the dunamis and the charisma, whatever it is that God gives gifts, that the Holy Spirit gives us, you know, they say that being full isn't being full until you overflow. Being full does not mean it's at the top of the glass. Technically, to be full means that you're overflowing. You're pouring out. And I want to declare to someone that's watching this that when you really have an encounter of communing the whole, with the Holy Spirit, He'll give you a confidence that actually wants you to not only absorb His natural resources for you, but He'll start putting other people in your heart. I have prayed for people that I barely know. I have been burdened by nations that I've never been to. I've prayed for people groups, for pockets of society. I've prayed for entertainment industry it's weird that when you get close to God it's it's weird that what matters to him comes on your radar and I want you to write this down, when you're really communing with the Holy Spirit, it goes from just being inward focused to being outward focused so many Christians, they live their entire lives only praying for people that have their last name, and I want to encourage you here at Ocean's Church that we will never be a self-seeking church we're committed, yeah we'll pray for ourselves and our family but, man, we also want, we want to take the hose that he's watering us with and put it in some other people's flower pots. Would you water, man? Would you water this brother that doesn't know you? And would you water this cousin of mine that's running away from you? And, hey, God, you know that lady in our church, that single mom in our church, would you water her today? And God, would you show us how we can be a blessing to that elderly woman that's just, she's a faithful saint. God, would you, would you show us how to water the other, the other people around us? When you really commune with God, it's not just about you and him. At some point in that time, it will become about what's important to him. And that's when you begin to stand in the gap. Communing. And when you really commune with God, it'll always lead you. Like, I, I, I don't know, man. It, I'll shift gears from praying for other people, and then I just get overwhelmed with how much God loves other people. And it'll always lead me into, like, this next thing, this Thanksgiving. You ever pray for other people and you realize how much God loves them? And maybe you haven't before but when you start praying for other people and you start getting god's heart for them you become aware it's so weird you become so aware that if he loves them that much he loves me that much and then you start getting grateful and thankful like god thank you that man like you love all of us so much thanksgiving begins to bubble up inside of you and i'm telling you that the the, the mark of really communing with god Is when you end with some sort of thanksgiving that always creates almost like this overwhelming sense that I have to just begin to praise God. I gotta begin to just like worship. I turn worship music on. I don't know how you would do it today, but even as we close, I wanna encourage you maybe with your family. We're gonna pray right now. But I'm telling you that when we really commune with God, we will always leave His presence with confidence, boldness, courage, and with this overwhelming sense that, man, I just wanna honor Him because He's so stinking faithful amen where does confidence come from in uncertain times we're going to be a people that we're going to let what we do know shape what we don't know here's what I do know I know where confidence comes from it comes from the presence of God I know that when I open up my Bible faith comes by hearing some of you this week maybe it's reading two chapters a day three chapters a day do you know that if you read twelve chapters a day for the next ninety-nine days you'll read through the Bible cover to cover do you know where confidence comes from? It comes from the presence of God. Do you know where communion comes from? It comes from confidence in God. It comes from spending time with Him, declaring who He is, declaring who He is, requesting Him to, to move in your life, adoring His presence. Inter- does this make sense today? I, I want us to be a church that invites the Holy Spirit to fill us up. I want to pray for you today. God, I just want to say I looked at the clock, but I have no idea what I'm supposed to be done. God, I just thank you right now. Would you just close your eyes? I thank you, Holy Spirit, that uh, even right now as we watch this, one of our greatest privileges in life is to commune with you. I'm telling you, I've connected with a lot of things. I've connected with adrenaline. I've connected with, man, euphoric feelings. I've done drugs. I've been high. I've been drunk. But I'm telling, I'm telling everyone that's watching right now, there is nothing that compares to that sweet ecstasy that's found in communing with the God that made you. I thank you that, Lord, you filled up Daniel, Joseph, God, David, Saul had moments of being filled with your spirit. That under the new covenant, God, you felt believers. God, Barnabas was a good man, full of faith in the Holy Spirit that Stephen was full, he was, a, he was wise, he was articulate, man of good report, full of the Holy Spirit. And God, our desire is that we would be a community of people that are filled with the Spirit of God, that we'd have wisdom and confidence in uncertain times. That Lord, we would walk forward with courage, with clarity, because we would invite you to be the God that would order our steps. I pray right now for everyone that's even watching and listening, that right now, God, we pray Psalms 91, We pray Psalms 91 over our church. I pray that no one in Oceans Church would get coronavirus. And I pray that, Lord, literally, you would raise this body up to be a loud voice, declaring, God, like like a city on a hill, like a light come on in a dark region, that there is a God that you can know. There is a God that can heal. There is a God that can protect. There is a God that can provide. And there is a God that can lead you through even the valleys of the shadow of death. We pray today, Holy Spirit, that we, you would fill us up. let go ahead and put your hand on your heart right now. And I want to ask the Holy Spirit right now, Lord, I pray for everyone right now that hears me, that right now you would fill them up. I pray if society, if news, if the world is robbing them of courage and confidence and peace, that, Lord, right now we stand in the gap and we declare in Jesus Christ's name that you are still on the throne. We thank you that this virus did not catch you off guard. We thank you that you weren't surprised by the current events of what's happening today. But we know that you rule and you reign. We thank you that, Lord God, you're the God that promises that you work all things together for good. So I ask you today that, God, in our marriages, you would use this week or two weeks or three weeks, that you would use this time to strengthen our marriages. I pray that you would use this window of time to strengthen our families. I pray that you would use this window of time. It's almost like a forced Sabbath almost. That God, you would recharge us. That you would refresh us. That we would turn to you. You said, if my people who are called by my name, if they would humble themselves and pray, they would commune with me, seek my face, you said that I would hear from heaven and that you would bring healing to our land so God I pray today for our church I pray for Orange County I pray for Southern California for the state of California I lift up the governor of California I pray for America I pray for President Trump I pray for our cabinet, our legislative our executive and judicial branches I pray in Jesus name that you would give us a nation that would God be godly we pray that you would give our leaders wisdom knowingly or unknowingly give them wisdom to rule and reign it says if we would pray for our leaders that we would have a quiet and we would live a peaceable life we pray in a time of uproar and a time of confusion we lift up our leaders today we pray god that you would lead this nation into righteousness i pray you would wake up the sleeping giant called your church. I pray that you would a- awaken America, Lord, that there is a God that's greater than the NBA. There is a God that's greater than the NHL. There is a God that's more entertaining than Hollywood, more intriguing than sports. I pray you would remind us that, God, if you're all we have left, that you're still all that we need. God, I pray today that you revitalize our faith. And maybe, God, in a time that all we have is Netflix and Disney Plus that maybe we'd even surrender those to you. And what would happen if the world would turn their attention to you, Holy Spirit? What would happen if, Lord, as the world is threatening us, if as society is being threatened by sickness, what would happen if the church would begin to pray? What would happen if we, as individuals, as families, we begin to commune with you? Lord, we're not legalistic. We're not heavy-handed. God, we're not trying to say we have to earn your favor or your love. We're simply saying we know that we can keep coming to your house and taking your natural resources. But God, we want you to know there's something awesome about staying in our dad mom's house just because we love them. We want to get to know you more. We want to know the beauty. David says, I want to dedicate my life to knowing the beauty. He says, let the, let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. And I ask, Lord, today that we would go after your beauty, that you would fascinate us once again, intrigue us. You know, the Mount Everest of humanity... Is the knowledge of God. It's, it's the mountain we'll never fully climb, is that we'll never know the depths of who you are. But I pray today that Holy Spirit, we would start going after that adventure. I wanna know you. Would you have your hand in your heart? Just, just quietly say this wherever you're watching. Just say, Look, Holy Spirit, I wanna know you. I wanna know you deeply. I wanna know you passionately. I wanna know you purposefully. I wanna spend time with you intentionally. So would you fill my heart? Would you fill my mind? Would you fill my house? And would you fill my business? And even now, we invite you to fill our lives with your sweet peace, with your sweet love that evicts all fear. Holy Spirit, come. In Jesus' name. I really feel like even you're watching right now. I feel like healing's going to be in the flow. So come on, just stay with me. I'm almost done. I pray right now. I, listen, we've seen so many miracles in this building. I told miracle miracle story. I, I shared a story last Sunday about a girl that tried to commit suicide. Had scars down her arms that God healed at a conference I was at. I said God is not only going to heal you of the, the, the spirit of suicide, but He's going to He's going to remove the memory of it. And she, she she felt the press like electricity come into her body. She opened her eyes and looked down and her scars were gone all the way down her arms. She began to scream. It was cool because that was in Louisiana in last Sunday. One of the leaders of that conference was at our church last Sunday when I shared the story. And he reminded me, he said, Mark, that was one of the craziest nights I've ever seen in the history of my life. He said, that girl was in my wife's cabin. He said, but you didn't share the story last week. You should share it next week, Pastor Mark. He said, there was another girl in my wife's cabin. You called out, who had scoliosis that her back was crooked. It was very crooked. She was going to need some major surgeries and some major procedures. And you called it out and you said, God is straightening someone's spine right now. She said that girl began to scream. She, she felt like heat come down her spine. And this is what happened. He said, Mark, that girl, not only was she in my wife's cabin, we've known that girl since she was young she's had scoliosis her entire life she said God straightened her spine out in that service she went home family was rocked by it doctors were they had before and after x-rays it was a documented verified miracle that God would straighten her spine in one moment listen I'm not not sharing this because I healed them. I didn't I just called on the God that heals I've never healed anybody but man I've prayed for so many people and the Holy Spirit and His loving kindness has healed them so I don't know what you're trying to get healed of. I feel like maybe someone's watching right now and you're so, this. I'm going to get to physical healing in a second, but I feel like you tried, I don't know who, you're, who you are, but you tried to quit smoking. Like, I don't know if it's cigarettes or what it is, but you've, been, you've tried. It's not like I'm not trying to condemn anything. I'm just saying, you have, you're you tired of smoking. You want to stop. But it literally, it has, like, it has like a hook inside of you and you haven't been able to break free from it. And I feel like the Holy Spirit, just put your hand on your heart right now. I just want you to know the Holy Spirit, His love is going to empower you to cut ties with that I even believe he's going to put like a mentor in your life that's going to have a similar story of getting free it's going to inspire you you're going to have accountability and God's going to lead you out of that thank you that Lord today you're going to rid someone of an addiction I pray for the mom that's been so anxious and fearful I pray right now that you would just like a blanket cover her with your peace I don't know who you are today have you just been anxious and fearful, stressed out, overwhelmed listen I see like the Holy Spirit putting a blanket over you. You ever tucked your kids in at night? Come on, you ever seen my daughter kicks the blankets off every 13 seconds? So I'll walk in there, and when it's cold, I'll grab the blankets, and I'll cover her back up. I'll put them up, and I'll tuck the blankets underneath her. And I don't know why. I see this picture of the, of the love of the Father, and in the Holy Spirit right now, He's almost like putting a blanket of his peace, tucking it around you right now, And it's going to be the wildest things. Listen, your circumstances might not change this week or next, but I'm telling you the peace of God is going to change. Your outlook on life, the anxiety that's going on around you at work or at at your gym or your studio, I'm telling you, your coworkers that are freaking out, their fear isn't going to get on you anymore because God's covering you in his peace. So I just pray peace tucking you in right now. Yeah. I pray, I just like there's someone that might have some tumors. Uh, I, don't know if they're, I don't know if they're malignant or if they're cancerous, but I feel like even right now, I feel like the Lord wanted me to pray for anyone that has tumors or you found some sort of tumors in your body, some preliminary stages of tumors, masses, cysts. I pray in Jesus' name right now. I thank you that you could do miracles in our living room while we're sitting in our pajamas. Holy Spirit, we invite you to heal. So would you just pray this prayer as we close today? I want to make a, a, de- a prayer of declaration right now. Say this all over the We'll do two things. We'll be done. Pray this together. Say, Jesus, I invite you to fill my body with your Holy Spirit. I want to be filled with you. I want to know your confidence. I want to walk in your boldness. And I want to experience the freedom of your healing touch. Liberate my mind of addictions. Break the grip of generational proclivities, sins, habits. Today, would you invade my mind with new thoughts, a love for your word. Now watch this. And right now, in Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, heal my body. Wherever I'm hurting... Wherever I'm in need, Holy Spirit, I invite you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for healing me. In Jesus' name. Finally, the last thing I want to do today, if you're here, I believe that many of you got healed today. If you got healed, all I'd ask you to do is maybe DM us on social media or email us on our website or tell somebody that goes to our church. Go on our Slack if you're a leader in our church and report the story. Faith comes by comes by hearing. We love sharing stories of healing. Last thing I want to do today is maybe you're watching today, maybe you've never watched a church service and this has intrigued you. Um, I, I believe that God is trying to knock right now at the door of your heart. You haven't been living for Him, but you know that you need, you want to. Something inside of you is going, "Hey, you tried life without God. What would it look like if you invited Him in?" So right now, I want to invite you in a prayer all over, all over the world, wherever you're watching. We have friends watching from 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 uh, Australia every week. We've had people in Europe watching every week, people in Hawaii, Alaska, Florida, Jaden's grandma. Um, So I don't know where you're watching from, but I want you to know, friend, that you can make a decision right in your house, in your pajamas right now, to invite God into your life. You can find an awesome church after you watch this service. And if you live around here, you can come check out our church. But whether you ever come to our church or not, our prayer would be is that we would love to introduce you to who Jesus is. The Bible says that a relationship with God it starts by believing that He's real and inviting Him into your life. So pray this all over, all over right now. You just pray it as loud as you as loud as you talk. Just say it like this. Say, Jesus, I invite you into my life. Would you heal me? Would you forgive me? And would you overwhelm me with your gracious spirit? Let me know your love, your affirmation, and the love. That's it you have for me. I invite you to lead me, guide me, protect me from this day forward in Jesus name. If you prayed that prayer, I believe you became a Christian today. You could while you're while you're there, you could hop on Facebook. You could change your religious status on Facebook right now. Follower of Jesus, of the way, Christian. On a serious note, I believe if you prayed that prayer, Three things I'd encourage you to do. Number one, get a Bible. Christians love the Bible like snowboarders love snow. It's difficult to snowboard without snow, and it's difficult to know God deeply and meaningfully without his Bible. If you need a Bible, you can email us or direct message us. If we don't have church for a week or two weeks, however long this takes, we will mail a Bible to you. Uh, If you want to come to our church physically, when we open the doors back up, we'll get a Bible to you. The second thing I'd encourage you to do is if you don't have a church, I think it's imperative It's kind of strange, you know, we don't want to live our lives outside of family and outside of community, and God has the same way. God has a family for you. Some of you are going, well, Mark, I've been to churches, and they're not perfect. I want you to know there is no such thing as a perfect church because people go to them, unfortunately. Joking. But I want to say this, that there is a church that's perfect for you. The Bible says that God puts the solitary into families. If you're watching today, I want to encourage you, if you go to a church and it doesn't feel like home, don't give up on going looking for a church. Just go somewhere else. If you go to a restaurant and you don't like it, you don't have to go back and eat there again. Just don't stop eating. Find a new restaurant. And if you're ever in our area, if you're near Orange County, come check out our church. We'd love to have you. We're the friendliest, best looking. You gotta be honest, I'm a preacher. Church you've ever been to. And so come check out Orange County, uh, our, our church, Oceans Church. And the third thing I'd encourage you is not only attend a church, but get involved in a small group. We have small groups that go on all year round. We're actually in the middle of a two-week break. We'll start back up in April. And so if you want to get involved in a small group, you can go on our website, oceanschurch.com, and see all the small groups that we offer. And again, find a church in your area. Click on small groups. Get involved in community. I'll say it like this. I, I was an amateur pro snowboarder when I was younger because I was athletic and I was in shape when I was younger. Back when I didn't have a dad bod or a father figure, I, uh, I snowboarded, and I got good because I rode with people that were better than me. They were more skilled, more mature, more seasoned than I was. And I'm not saying that if someone's walked with God longer than you, they're better than you, but they might be better off than you are because they know God more intimately. So I would encourage you, friend, to find some believers that love God more than you do, begin to ask them questions, begin to read your Bible, bring questions to them, and grow in your faith. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.